When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today I'd like to present to you a product that's made a big difference to my daily routine. So I recently subscribed to the Morning Navigator newsletter, written by Tony Greer, who is a 30-year veteran trader in the financial markets. I think it's very important to be responsible with your personal finances and investments, and you can't do that without understanding the financial markets. So this is where the Morning Navigator fills in a specific need for me. If you're trying to find actionable trade ideas or just educate yourself about the markets, this publication will do both. Tony is a great writer, so when he ties together themes in global markets every day, he does it in a way that I can understand. The Morning Navigator makes complicated finance topics both easy and entertaining, and that's a service I'm personally happy to pay $55 a month for. Now, if that sounds interesting, you can sign up for a free trial today at tgmacro.com. That is tgmacro.com. If you enjoy the free trial and want to subscribe to the annual plan, then you can get a massive $100 off by using the discount code ZUBY at checkout. That is Z-U-B-Y to get $100 off an annual plan. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. So go check it out, tgmacro.com, and sign up for a free trial today. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, if you guys have been following my podcast for a while, you may remember that way back last year, I think it was episode number four, I had on Andrew Tate, kickboxing champion and the king of toxic masculinity. Now, who better to kick off 2020 with other than his younger brother, Tristan Tate? Now, I want to give him a shout out because he's joined onto this podcast at really late notice. But um, here he is with me right now. What's up, Tristan? How you doing? I'm very good, Zuby. Um, first of all, it's very uh, nice to finally meet you. Uh, I, I've never met a, a female British athlete weightlifter who uh, holds all the records before. Uh, so I'm, I'm super starstruck. Uh, again, I think it's one of those things that was just meant to be. I put out on my Twitter account yesterday, I believe, that I was looking to do more podcasts in 2020 because I was very much the brother. Uh, we work as a team, but I'm the guy behind the shadows, uh, behind the cloak in mm. the shadows. 
So uh, I'm putting my face out there more. And at the very last minute, literally 10 minutes ago, I got the messages from you saying, do you want to be on the podcast? So yeah, I'm delighted to be here and here I am. Awesome, man. So for people who, who don't know you, aren't familiar, are listening for the first time, describe yourself. How, how would you introduce yourself? Well, if you know Andrew Tate very well, I am his younger brother. Um, essentially, we grew up together. We're both products of the same father. So I, I enjoy chess. I'm a chess player. I'm a kickboxer. I was the European champion, not the world champion, until a car crash actually damaged my left shoulder uh, about three years ago, which permanently retired me from fighting. But again, businessman, self-made millionaire. Um, me and Andrew made very sure to get our collective net worth over $2 million before we started saying the word millionaire because there's two of us. So we don't like to pretend or, or talk BS uh, about our own achievements. So yeah, businessman, millionaire, uh, kickboxer, uh, champion. Uh, I like cars, girls, chess, books, all sorts of things. I like to keep my life multifaceted. So That's awesome, man. And uh, just before we started rolling, you told me that um, you're in Romania right now, but you've actually been on the road for the past couple months. So tell us what you've been doing. Yeah, well, I made a miscalculation. I decided when the Romanian winter comes, typically it snows quite heavily and I can't use my cars. So I booked a trip to Dubai on the 5th of November, around about when the winter starts, but it's been an extremely mild winter. It's been nine or 10 degrees centigrade this entire time, mm. but I still fled my own country and I do love it here. Uh, I was in Dubai for three or four weeks, I believe. Then I flew over to Austin, Texas to hang out with Alex Jones from InfoWars. Oh, wow. I don't know if your listeners are fans of him or not fans <laughs> of him. But I'll tell you what, a, a really, really great guy, eccentric. Uh, we sat there, uh, talked history. He was very interested in the history of Romania, which I know very well. I'm mm. not Romanian myself, but I have lived here years. Uh, I read books on the history of Romania because I just like to know things. Uh, so me and Alex Jones had a really great time. And then I was on my way to England to purchase a new car, but my cousin wanted to join us. So we purchased a second car and then road trip from, <laughs> road trip from England to, to Belgium, Germany, up to Sweden, down to the Czech Republic, over to Slovakia, down to Hungary and, and back home to Romania. It took about two weeks on the road, but it was a really good experience. And it's very humbling to know that that's the kind of thing that a lot of guys do once in a lifetime a road trip through Europe in, in some of the world's nicest cars. And it's something I can do uh, anytime I like, which is, I'm really grateful for that. That's I awesome, really... man. And what, what was it like meeting Alex Jones? I mean, I was in Austin a couple of months ago and I was actually invited onto his show. And I was like, I was in two minds about it. I wasn't, I wasn't sure. I was like, man, like there are, there are very few people who I would like hesitate to talk to or go on their show or whatever. And kind of, on my own part, I didn't really, I didn't really care, but he's like one of the only people, one of the few sort of like big names out there where I was like, Ooh, like, I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't watch his show. Like with, he's one of yeah. those people, like I've seen little clips of stuff and I do think he's funny. You know, he plays this yeah. character. I think it's funny. You know, a lot of people are controversial, but he's like considered really controversial. And yeah. I was like, mm, like, he, he's uh, an eccentric. He's yeah, an eccentric. And yeah. being on his show, um, there's always this fear. If I'm associated with Alex Jones, am I going to get banned as well? Exactly. Um, now, I wasn't on the show, so I just got to hang out with him for dinner. And I'll tell you what, my father was an American. My mother was English. I left the United States when I was seven. So I feel very foreign when I go there. I don't sound like an American. Mm. But I am an American in a way. I do want what's best for the country. And love him or hate him, Nobody loves the United States more than Alex Jones. Nobody, nobody does. He, he really does. Uh, he's a true patriot. He really loves his country, and he has the best of intentions. And I spent the evening having dinner with him, 
just a, a really sharp, funny, smart individual. The, the only episode, I, I don't really watch podcasts. The only episode of any real podcast I ever watched go out live was when uh, Alex Jones, when Joe Rogan had Alex Jones oh, on his show. The, the second and, one? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, the second one, after their arguments. <laughs> so, <laughs> Best podcast of all time. Yeah, but, but what that does show is that Alex Jones is a very well-read, intelligent mm. individual. Um, yeah. And that very much comes off when you meet the guy. Yeah, do you so, know what? I, I watched that podcast after I had the opportunity to be on the show. And you know what? If I'd watched it beforehand, I think I would have gone on. Yeah, because he, he's one of those people who... Cause I don't follow, cause I don't really follow him no. a lot of what I've heard about him. I mean, this goes for a lot of people, you know, you, you hear secondhand and third hand information yeah. and I didn't really have a clear picture. I wasn't in Austin for that long. And so I was like, I just kind of didn't, I didn't really reply. I was like, let me, let me think about it. But then yeah. the time kind of ran out. And then a couple of weeks later, I actually watched that whole five hour podcast or whatever with Rogan and kind of yeah. got a better picture of him and where, where his head's at, where his heart's at and everything. And I was like, um, you know what? In hindsight, I think I would have done it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I got the impression that he puts a lot of energy, in, uh, his heart and soul into his shows. Oh, yeah. When I met him, he was with his, his, his current wife, um, a producer who works on his show, my brother and I. We sat down, had steaks, and it was not as intense as I thought it would be. Yeah. Andrew was spending time with him in the studio. I was just hanging out at the hotel. Me and my brother, we like to travel together. Mm. Um, security reasons, call it paranoia. Um, and what else am I going to do? Sit here in Bucharest yeah. by myself in the snow. So yeah, we like to travel together, but I was just literally meeting him for drinks and dinner after the shows. But my brother was doing it, which is always the oh, slight worry because if you affiliate yourself with Alex Jones, are you safe? But Andrew's not safe anyway, as you know. He's yeah. been banned multiple times. I've been banned because of him because after he first got banned, we had a joint account and he got me banned. So I'm oh. not even allowed on Twitter. So yeah, it, it, it's yeah. silly, man. I, I don't, cause I, man, I was, I was in, I was really conflicted about it. Cause I don't want to, I, I'm, I stand very much against this whole, if you talk to somebody who talked to somebody who talked to somebody that therefore you totally agree with all of their words and actions yeah. and everything that they've ever done. Like I really stand against that whole kind of mentality. So mm -hmm. in one way I was like, man, like I really, in one way I really want to do it just to be like, I like, screw you guys but at the same time i know that the whether or not stuff is true the sort of amount of heat around him especially you know after he got kicked off of every single platform you know every if you if you go on facebook and you mention him in a positive way they delete the post yeah they do like, like stuff like that. that i was like that, that mind that's, blowing yeah yeah <laughs> i was like <laughs> if, if it's that crazy like i don't i'm i don't know if i'm yet at a level in my career where I can kind of, you know what I mean? If, I, if I'm at that stage where it's like, okay, whatever, then it's cool. But I'm like, man, I'm still kind of, I'm up and coming here. Like, I don't want to, yeah. you know, I need to kind of weigh, weigh this <laughs> up a little bit. But um, next time around, if I'm in Austin, then I think yeah. I'll just be like, ah, oh, screw it. Let's do it. I know what you mean. I mean, my, uh, my association with Alex Jones and, and people like this, I have no fear of getting axed because I don't really, as I said, the, the Tate empire, the, the Tate, Let's call it, I don't know what you want to call it, take enterprises, whoever yeah, yeah. me and Andrew are, I'm very much the behind the scenes guy. Mm. Andrew's the face of the internet side of things. I'm the guy down at the studios and doing everything that we're doing behind the scenes. So I don't care if I get axed uh, yeah. on, what are you going to do? Delete my, I like my Instagram actually. Yeah. <laughs> I like my Instagram, yeah. but I need that for various reasons. Yeah, but exactly. uh, besides Instagram, which doesn't host any of my opinions anyway, I don't care what they ax me from. So yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's not the it's not the end of the world getting deplatformed off of something. But 
we also can't pretend. I mean, in, in this day and age we live in, I think it's also disingenuous to pretend like it's totally nothing. You know oh, yeah. I mean? like if you've got a big account with you know, 130, 20, 50, 100,000 followers, million followers, and you can't reach them and you can't join in the, and participate in these conversations and stuff, then that, that's, that's pretty serious. And I do think it was, was super unfair what they did with him and what they've done with a few other people. I mean, you've got people on Twitter, on Instagram, or what? You've got people who have killed people. You've got people who have raped people. You've yep. got like, you, right? You've got, yep. you've got the worst of the worst. Yeah, you've got you've got terrorists on there. You have literally yeah. terrorists on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. So I'm like, okay, so they can, they're cool. Yeah, this guy's well, something you disagree with, and so you permanently ban them. Yeah, when my, when my friend uh, Alexander Cortez, I'm not sure how familiar you are with him. Yeah, he's I know a, Alex, yeah. He's a, close, he's a close friend of mine. And when he got uh, banned, I think he actually got banned for inciting violence against pedophiles. Yes. Probably the only group in the world that people should collectively incite violence towards with a smile on their face. And everyone yeah. should be in agreement. But apparently that's an orientation now. Uh, where, right. You know, in, your, in, in England and America, not over here. Apparently, that's some sort of orientation <laughs> now. So you can't, you can't even, uh, you can't even say the level of justice you think should be yeah. brought to them, which is mind blowing to me. Yeah. And uh, that's very much a reason me and Andrew couldn't live in in the West anymore. Um, mm. I, I understand why people do live there. I mean, I've only got my mum there, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to fly her out, you know, anytime I want, anytime she has some free time. However. You know, people are there with these big family networks. They can't just uproot and leave the way me and Andrew did. But I mean, I couldn't go back. I wouldn't mm. go back. It's it's gone absolutely insane over there. Yeah, so. I did have this. I did have this conversation with your brother. He was really talking about. He, he, yeah. Yeah. What? Why he left and everything. I mean, what? What is it that you're most, you personally, when you say that you couldn't come back to the UK or to the US? What specifically do you mean by that? Because I'm sure there's going to be. I have some inclination of as to what you mean, but I yeah. think there'll be a lot of people listening to this thinking like, man, like the UK and US is, is, is where it's at. Why, yeah. why would you say something like that? Well, it depends very much on the type of life that you live, um, especially now. Me and Andrew have a very anti-fragile life. I could be in the UK. I could say anything I wanted and it couldn't really, I guess, harm what I do business-wise, my, mm -hmm. my main business. But when I left, I decided to leave the UK over five years ago when I was quote unquote, a regular person. I was making you know money. I was doing well. However, if I said something people don't like and my boss was contacted, I could lose my job. And that could be something as, as, as light as, you know, I think there are only two genders. Nowadays, that's how crazy it's become. Sure. And it's such a, it's a society where if you aren't completely anti-fragile, if you don't have millions in the bank, you're detached from the entire system. I mean, they can close down your bank accounts now. You can't even have a bank if you have the wrong opinions. Seen it, yeah. Now, none of that exists in, it's not just this country. There are plenty of countries. I mean, you lived in Saudi Arabia for a while. I mean, mm -hmm. there, are, there are countries yeah. in the world that simply do not tolerate that kind of thinking. No, but but Eastern, they're, they're, Europe is like, Eastern Europe is slightly different from, from I guess, the, the Muslim world because you're free to think whatever you like and mm -hmm. nothing is right or wrong. There is no hard force coming down on you for having the wrong opinions because that was the way it was here up until mm. 30 years ago and the people remember that and that's they don't want true. it back and yeah. they don't want it back yeah yeah i think that's really interesting i mean i'm a, I'm a big fan of central and eastern europe in general because i think it's a i think it's a good sort of happy medium do you know what i mean it's like you've got most of the freedoms and liberties of things of western europe and the us and the uk 
but it's not it's not too far gone <laughs> you yeah. what I mean? it's, it's like in in the uk and us now like you're saying it, it's too far gone that way and then yeah, of course you know someone who grew up in saudi arabia spent time in the middle east it's like okay that that's too far the other way right where it's like you, yeah. you again you, you, can, you can't say you definitely can't say whatever you want there no but the things you, you can say there's only two genders yeah say there are two genders yeah which is liberating i guess to an american but you can't say plenty of things I, yeah I, there's plenty of things you can't say but yeah i think you know places like uh poland hungary uh romania yeah. it's like ukraine maybe i haven't been to ukraine i've been to the others it, yeah like a, it's a happy medium it's not it is it really is. it's a bit like how the uk would have been not even that long ago, like maybe 20 years ago before yeah. it just political correctness too far. Yeah. And, and it's weird because people call it political correctness and people say that it's progressive or it's forward thinking or whatever. And it's like, it's, it's dragging people back. That's why you have people in Eastern Europe who are looking over at it kind of like, this isn't the... <laughs> yeah. They don't want to play the games. They don't want to play the games. They've seen, they've seen what's happened in the West and people here can basically, yeah, it's live and let live over here. Yeah, this, this, that's the, I guess the reason I wouldn't move back. And to be honest, I'm not such a political guy. I like to know about politics. I understand politics quite well. Mm-hmm. However, I don't care. Yeah. And that's going to sound very naive. I live in Romania. I have an American and a British passport. I don't really care. I love, I mean, I mean, I like that the elections have been going my way lately, mm-hmm. but the president of the United States doesn't make a difference to my everyday life. No. And whoever is the prime minister of England doesn't make a difference to my everyday life. So... I like it here because it's fun. That is also mm. one other reason. Yeah. It's fun. It's more fun than London in Bucharest. I like it here. That's, I guess, one of the big selling points. I'm not going to pretend it's all political. Yeah. I'm not hiding out in some strange cold war. <laughs> I mean, people who haven't been to Romania, I don't know what they think it's like here. Yeah. I'm not hiding out in some weird hovel to try to escape you know, civilization because here you're free to say what you want. It's really fun here. Great bars, great restaurants, mm. great people, great women. So I've been, I've been. I'm very happy over here. I have been. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a cool place. I mean, here's a question. I mean, I, I have my own theory on this. Why, why do you think it is that the UK and US in particular, I mean, I think it's the Anglosphere. It seems like the English-speaking, English-speaking Western world seems to be suffering from some kind, of, some kind of virus, some sort of mind virus over the past decade yeah. or so. And why, why do you think that is? You know, my father described this. I had this conversation with my father about 11 or 12 years ago on the subject of, of gay marriage. In fact, mm. that was the subject. And he called it the wedge. He said, people are always going to be, be so unhappy. You have to watch out for the wedge. I didn't really know what he meant. I was arguing with him for gay marriage. I was very much pro-gay marriage. And I was speaking with him saying, no, dad, you know, it's fine. Let them get married. It's about you know, inheritance and you know, visitation in hospital because they're not family members. I was giving all the, the normal, completely logical arguments. I have sure. gay friends and neighbors. And uh, he said, no, 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 Tristan, you don't understand. It's the wedge. Once they drive the wedge in, there's always going to be someone, not all gay people, not all people with that agenda. There's always going to be someone who's going to try and hammer that wedge further and further and further. And if you give an inch, they're going to take a mile. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I think especially with the internet, a minority of people can be so loud and so hateful and so vicious and so violent, they can drive the wedge in just with very small numbers. Mm. I don't believe the gay community as a whole is trying to pr- promote drag queen story hour. The gay community as a whole is not trying to promote that. They're, mm. they're really not. No. However, the people who are on that side 
are so vicious and so aggressive and so loud, and that's their whole universe. Anyone who speaks up about it is getting attacked on Twitter. Mm. I, I bet in the United States, it's fewer than 2,000 people. Uh, that's yeah. how small I think it is. But I think yeah. the internet has really given the power of the crazies to drive the wedge in mm. when that may not be how society as a whole even sees things. And, and so, why do you think that people are such cowards to stand up to it? Well, I think people used to stand up to it a lot more. Now, mm. I don't even talk politics on my Twitter. Yeah. I don't really. I'll retweet a few of the things the president says, but I don't get necessarily too political on social media because mm. they'll just shut me down. They'll yeah. just ban you. They've won mm. in a way because the corporations that run all this stuff, the, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, they're all owned by very hard left wingers who don't want to upset anybody. Yeah. I think it was very ironic recently how uh, J.K. Rowling stood up quite rightfully <laughs> and said... Uh, <laughs> You know, oh, that's too far. She yeah. said that men and men are women and women. That's too far. She shouldn't mm. have been fired. Mm. And she started getting attacked. By who? Not by me. Not by you. By people on her own team. Mm. So and this is what I mean. You have to, and these companies, Facebook, Twitter, you have to be willing. Sorry, not, not willing. What's the word? You have to be aiming to upset nobody. So you have to go full crazy. Mm. If you don't go full crazy, someone's going to get upset and someone's going to take you to court and report you for hate crimes and and that's the way it is. So the, yeah. the, they have kind of won. They do control the narrative, especially right now. At the same time, people will say, oh, use gab.ai. Gab.ai is fantastic. No, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not because successful. you also, yeah, you need some <laughs> level of censorship. You can't yeah. just have a forum <laughs> where everyone's posting, I can't remember, the N-word <laughs> after every post. Like, that's yeah. also not cool. There needs to be, a, as you said, a happy medium. Exactly. And of course, yeah. most of the people who are on there are there because they have been kicked off of other platforms exactly. so yeah. some very legitimately unsavory characters yeah absolutely are, are populating absolutely. that place yeah i don't so, use it yeah no, no. I've, I've had a quick glimpse and i was like mm, nah yeah. yeah um so where do you think it all goes do you think that um the the rat the radical leftists or whatever they want to call themselves do you think they they keep winning and stuff keeps pushing in that direction or do you think the pendulum is gonna is gonna swing back i see a lot of signs even Things like uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, comedy special last year, this very recent Ricky Gervais monologue. Uh, yeah, two nights ago. Uh, yeah, quite a lot of people in, in different areas. In, I mean, I'm in the world of music, but in music, in entertainment, in, uh, even in academia, things which are legitimately very, very left-wing dominated. Yes. I'm starting to see a lot of people. And w one thing that, that gave me sort of hope with the Ricky Gervais thing is because he's, he's technically on their side. Right. He is. He, he's, he's more left than he is right. So is. to have people like him with that sort of stature and power and reach, just being like, look, guys, this is so stupid. I love the bit he did about the, the white actors dying. And he said that he can't even, yeah. he can't even talk about it. Because <laughs> that, that's how silly it gets. Like, yeah. I'm in the world of music and some of the stuff that some of the initiatives and things they push and whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a black guy myself. I'm a minority in the UK. Yeah. But some of the stuff, I'm just like, Yo, guys, this is this is silly. Like, it's this crazy. Is, yeah, this is this is dumb. This doesn't make sense, and they're just going so hard. It really is the way. The, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know exactly how I see it going. Mm. I know how it's going here because I live here. I go to the UK perhaps three or four days per year. I have a few friends over there. I follow a few Twitter accounts, but my experience in, I guess, our country of England is very limited now. I know that here it's it's going to stay the way it is. People okay. want to get married, have kids. It's very traditional. 
You know, it's not going to have huge gay pride parades down the center of the city. That's, how, that's what I know here. Mm. And I don't know exactly how it's leaning in the United States or England, but my advice to people, in fact, I'll tell you a very short story. It was a, a friend of mine. Let's call him a school friend. We met when we were about 15 or 16 years, old, years of age. Okay. During the Brexit referendum, this guy, Richard, his name is Richard, if you're watching, sorry. He, was, he would not stop posting about Brexit. Now, Richard works in a gas station. Mm. So he would write posts this long about why we should leave the European Union. I, I guess I was on his team. I was pro-Brexit. I also had my reservations because I live and work in the EU. But sure. regardless of what side you're on, I kept saying on his post, I was like, Richard, bro, you work in a gas station. If you vote to leave the EU or you vote to stay in the EU, nothing's going to change. You have to change your own life. You have to look out for yourself. And that's very much my view on politics. So how is this going? I don't know. But I'm becoming richer. I'm becoming less fragile. I'm setting up my homestead and I'm doing well for myself. So which way it goes, I don't care because I can move to China if I need to. Oh, not China. Yeah. Somewhere else. Same. <laughs> and, and Richard, last time I checked, he still works in a gas station, I believe. He, he got his vote. He got what he wanted. And uh, it was two years ago. I just picked up my, uh, my, I think it was my first Lamborghini Huracan. Nice. And I stopped at the same gas station in Luton where Richard worked and there he still was. So he didn't heed my warning. And there are a lot of Richards out there. So, you know, if you haven't got your life together fully, don't worry. This is advice for people at home. Don't worry too much about, is this happening politically? Is that happening politically? Yeah. You know, are you and your people eating well? Yeah. You know, can you that. take care of your kids? Can you take care of your parents? Mm. That's more important than any political question in my absolutely, And that's my, attitude. no, no, that, that I, I preach the same thing, man. I tell yeah. people, look, if you're, you know, if, if your life has gotten a lot worse since 2016, then it's not because of Trump and it's not because of Brexit. Exactly. It's gotten it's better. Not at all. <laughs> it's also not because of Trump <laughs> and it's not because of Brexit. You know, yeah. there's nobody you're going to vote for that's going to turn a winner into a loser or a loser into a winner. Yep. You're um, right. So, I mean, with me, I don't even, I, I get dragged into a lot of political conversations, but I'm someone who's actually more interested in like culture and society mm. than I am directly with politics. Like if you ask me the, the need, like I probably couldn't name more than 10 labor or conservative MPs in, yeah. in the UK. You know, I don't, I don't follow what's going on. Of course I see the, the big stuff like the elections, but I'm more interested in sort of the, the cultural and societal aspects. So when I talk politics, it's, it's normally more like that level. Yeah, I think that's the stuff that affects people or what we've yeah. been saying, you know, the kind of silencing of, of speech and mm -hmm. things like that. To me, that's more, that's more cultural. It's, it's sort of political, but it's not, oh, what's the best policy for such and such? It's like, well, yeah. I, I don't know. Gonna, no one's going to help. Yeah, they are private companies. I mean, people in America can refuse to bake wedding cakes. I guess they can refuse to let me use a, their Facebook accounts. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's the way it is. So, yeah. yeah so let, let's, run it, let's run it back a little bit, man. So um, I, I had this conversation with your brother when he was on my podcast last year and just, you know, finding out a little bit more about your, your life story. So yeah. I assume, of course, being Andrew's brother, it follows some similar trajectory. But can you just tell us a little bit more about you know, you're, you're growing up and what led you to the stage you're at now? Yeah, well, we, the best thing that ever happened to me, I guess, is going to sound crazy, was my parents' divorce. Um, if I still lived in, I come from a very small town. I lived in a place called Goshen in Indiana. Mm. And I always laugh because I did sales jobs in the past. If I still lived in Goshen, I'd be a 
redneck with a cowboy hat selling Hummers or something off the Hummer lot. I don't know where I'd be, yeah. uh, maybe in jail, maybe worse. Mm. But the fact that my parents got divorced, um, my father had lost his career in the military a few years prior. So my mother on her own couldn't afford health insurance for any of her kids. So the logical solution as a British citizen was to move back to England. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandmother, my mother's mother was actually quite the racist. So my father was your complexion. My father, mm-hmm. I know people can't tell, but I've got the big lips and the dark eyes and a few other things that the Romanian women tend to appreciate. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, my, my mother's mother was, was quite the racist. So she didn't yeah. want us staying with her. So we lived in a homeless shelter for a while, uh, okay. two years. I used to have to go to school, lie to the kids about where I lived. I'd stay at their house and they'd say, oh, I'll stay at your house next week. And my mom would have to talk to their mom. So I very, I'm very much in touch with what it feels like to be broke. Mm. Um, from there into a council house, me and Andrew were raised on a council estate. My mom was good though. Made sure we had three steady meals a day. Our clothes were clean. You know, she made, made sure we did our homework. We always did well in school. And uh, yeah, out of there, we left sixth form college really without enough money to go to university. I wasn't inclined to take loans out. My mom was still washing dishes in the school kitchen. I wasn't going to get 20 or 30,000 pounds loans out to, I guess at the time it felt selfishly study something that I was interested in, whether, yeah. whether it be physics or, or biology. So instead I just entered the workforce and uh, hustlers mentality worked one thing after the other. Mm. We ended up working for ourselves at a very young age. I lost that money lost that business. I was sleeping on my best friend's couch at 23. Okay. And uh, here I am 31 now. I'm net worth, I don't know, two and a bit at least nice. for myself, which is, which is not bad, you know, considering, <laughs> my, considering my, my, my life story. But yeah. my, my, life's so, been, my life's been very interesting. That's cool, man. So, so can you tell us uh, a little bit more uh, about that? Because of course, you can have people listening who are going, oh, wait, how, how, did, he, how did he do that? He just said, like, yeah. <laughs> I just went from 23 to 31 like that. So yeah. what, what, can you talk us a little bit through you know, what, what that was like and what you did? Yeah, well, c- career path. Uh, mine and my brother's big break. I'm not going to go into too many details because I like to keep your podcast nice and clean. Mine and my brother's big break is when we started working in, I guess, well, let's call it adult entertainment. Okay. Well, not personally, but we would set up live broadcast studios where models would talk to dudes on the uh, internet, you know, strip, you know, flirt with them, talk to them, listen to their problems. It's essentially like a strip club, mm. but with a webcam and a model there instead of a pole in the middle and a bunch of dudes sitting around the outside. Okay. But it's much more lucrative because in the typical, I guess, burlesque club or, or, or lap dance club, a girl can only have eight dudes surrounding her at once. Mm. Some of my models will have 900, 1,000, 1,500 men at any one time, all throwing money in the pot. Mm. So my brother discovered this actually out when he was dating a, um, uh, a, a girl who was kind of doing this on the side. And one of the most telling points of mine and Andrew's life is at the time he was just fighting. He was training, fighting, bringing in some money that way. I got paid almost peanuts for my fights because I was a much lower level, but I was working. I was working as a salesperson for a company that sold conservatory roof in- insulation. Okay. Non- nonsense job. This I was is bringing the UK home at the time. Yeah, it was in the UK. Okay. In the, UK. the company was based in Milton Keynes. Okay. And I was making between 1,000 and 1,500 British pounds every week. Okay. I was the company's top salesman. I was working seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And one of the most telling points in my life, in my and Andrew's, I guess, origin story, is Andrew turned around to me one day when I got home and he said, you know, bro, I'm just going to start selling for insulated conservatories. I'm going to get your job. We'll combine our money. We'll be on 3,000 pounds a week. It's not bad. Mm. I looked at him in the eye. I said, Andrew, you can't do that. You can't accept that job. You can't come work for my company because once you do, then that's who we're going to be. 
Mm. You've got to think of something better. Mm. You do your training, you do your fighting, you're exhausted all day. Take the time, spend the day thinking, researching, and find something better. I'm going to go and make the money. I'm going to make sure that our heads stay above water. And that's one of the most important decisions we ever made. Wow. One of the most important decisions we ever made. Andrew started his first, uh, from the flat we were in, he started running his first one or two webcam models. We ended up having 75 members of staff at my largest. Wow. Um, that's scaled down now because I'm doing some other things. Much, much yeah. cleaner, nicer things, opening <laughs> uh, gambling casinos, that kind of stuff. Still, yeah. I guess, playing on vices, but that was our big break. And if I had okay. let Andrew come to work at my company, we, we wouldn't be here today. Yeah. You, would, you would have been the, the Tate conservative sales <laughs> specialist or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was okay. I mean, I had a Range Rover at the time on yeah. finance. I was doing okay yeah. for a guy. I was, what, 24 and a half at the time, mm-hmm. you know, making, bringing home 60, 65 a year. Yeah. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't this. I got you. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I, uh, I told Andrew to stay home and do his research. Yeah, man. <laughs> I guess his research was meeting up with hot chicks. <laughs> he heard about it from he heard about it from some woman on the side, and he, I think the conversation he had with her was, "Oh, so you work at home?" And she goes, "No, I work at a studio." Mm. He said, "Why would you work at a studio?" She goes, "Oh, I've got my kid at home, and you know my parents are at home, and the studio's got the best equipment and the best setup, and it just a light bulb went off." And Andrew mm. said, "I came home from work one day." He said, "Tristan, something amazing's happened." I said, "What's happened?" He goes, "I've made three hundred and sixty pounds." I said, "No, you haven't. I've made two hundred pounds today. I made one sale." You haven't made 360 pounds. He shows me it on a screen. Yeah. It's like, well, and they just send that to your bank? He goes, yeah, they send it to the bank. And that, that was the eureka moment. I quit my job a week later. Got it. Got it. And when did you decide to make the move to Romania? Well, the move to Romania was actually not based on, I mean, the internet speeds here are great. There's lots of beautiful girls here. Great. It was not based on work at all. I was uh, commentating for a fight federation out here, an MMA fight federation. I okay. took the first job last minute, as I did with this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we flew over to uh, Romania. Uh, my mind was blown. Whatever you know, image some, some people have of Romania is completely wrong. Uh, especially in the UK, they'll have Romanian friends and colleagues who will say, ah, Romania is terrible. But you have to understand that if people from Britain could move to another country for higher wages, it wouldn't be the Londoners or the bankers or the people from Birmingham. It would be the people from hope I'm not offending anyone, the Wirral, Scunthorpe, Grimsby. That, those would be the people who go, the That's Jeremy true. Kyle crowd. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the Romanians you meet who don't like this country haven't actually really seen it. My mind was blown. There were Rolls Royces, Ferraris, Lamborghinis everywhere. There's a lot of money here that isn't listed mm. in any bank index. So you know, the GDP per capita doesn't reflect the amount of wealth here. Yeah. So we took this gig uh, for flights and hotel only, no money. Mm-hmm. Just so me and Andrew could have regular vacations. We'd come out here and do our commentating. We invested in some property out here. We made some very good friends, very good contacts out here. And one time in England, we were just thinking, you know, when's our next trip to Romania? England, I mean, I was living in Hitchin in Hertfordshire, boring town. Yeah, very. I thought, what am I doing here? Why don't I just leave? <laughs> yeah, And yeah. I left. That's so, cool. So, so you've been in Romania for how long now? Four years now. Four, four years. years. Yeah, nice. That's my home. Yeah. yeah, and I think I, when I went to Romania first, I think I've, I've been there once. I think I went. 20 about 2015 or so 20 yeah. 2015 uh just to bucharest but yeah no it's a it's a great city like i said i'm a big fan of central and eastern europe um mm. and then you know things like living costs and what you actually get for your money and all that it's just yeah yeah it, it makes a lot of sense for people especially if you are able to earn money like online or elsewhere because i know exactly. with a lot of those people of course if you're a local 
then the economy might not be so great for you in terms of how much people earn and everything. But if you take an income from the UK or an income from the US and you go out to Romania or Bulgaria or Serbia or somewhere like yep. that, like even if you're not super rich, you you can be living pretty nice out there. Yeah, you can. You really yeah. can. Uh, an example of there was the uh, the local Romanian news actually covered me purchasing this house here. Uh, mm. I'm renovating it right now. I've got my own cigar lounge in the house. If I put this house anywhere in central London, oh gosh, twenty five <laughs> million, thirty million, like no, an amount I wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to pay. But yeah. it was under it was under one. Mm. So there we go. You know, much easier. Yeah, That's I do cool. like it out here. Awesome. And something, and another thing, a lot of Americans are very fragile in the way that every penny they make is watched and studied. And if you're foreign living in Romania, they don't care about your tax affairs. They, you, you don't owe them money. Whereas Americans think that you owe them money if you're an American citizen, regardless of where in the world you are. Gotcha. Which is, um, yeah. It's something very interesting. With Andrew's uh, War Room, the organization he runs, he's now, our, the initial casinos we've opened are making money and doing very well. He's offering a chance for um, our American guys to buy into casinos here in Eastern Europe mm. and to get paid in Bitcoin to the fact nice. that I only have to pay the Romanian government a little bit of tax for running these businesses here and I can send Bitcoin over to the United States. So he's offering this, uh, you know, outside of... Uh, Let's not tell everybody. Like. Yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But it's a, you yeah. know, it, it's, it's a good system here. If you know the right people, if you know the right people, you can, you can do pretty much anything you want. So, yeah. That's cool, man. Anyway. And tell us a little bit more about your, your fight career because we haven't touched on that at all. Tristan the Talisman Tate. Now, I, I'm happy to admit, I'm a self-made man in my own right. But mm -hmm. in kickboxing, we were known as the Tate brothers worldwide because of Andrew. Andrew was a better kickboxer than me. You can see my nose leans slightly to this side. Uh, I've suffered three breaks, um, mm -hmm. broken ribs, broken hands, broken toes. Andrew's fight style which I did try to learn, I really did my best, was very much, you know, don't get hit and knock mm. him out with your insane power. Mm. My fight style was get hit three times, hit him four times. Okay, okay. So a lot of the fights you'll watch me in, uh, there, there still are some in YouTube. Feel free to look them up. Just type my first and last name. You'll find some are just horrible fights. I was in bed for three days afterwards, oh, no. win or lose. You know, I took a yeah. lot of beating yeah. and a lot of punishment, but I did win the majority of my fights um, I, I had won a, the European title, the ISKA European title, and I was mm -hmm. training for uh, a defense of that title when a taxi here in Romania crashed off of a cliff and damaged my shoulder. So that's me done. You, you were is, in the taxi? I was in the taxi at the time, yeah. Wow. It's well, actually a, it's actually of, a very funny story. Like, okay. I was going to say it sounds like you're fortunate. No, I mean, unfortunate and fortunate. Yeah. I always say, you know, Jesus made me crash. And the, and the yeah. reason is, um, quite literally, Jesus did make me crash. So... If you've ever been to an Orthodox Christian country, you've been here. They have little pictures of Jesus all over their taxi cab. Yeah. This old man, bless him, is driving towards a really sharp left turn with a steep embankment. Mm. And his Jesus falls off of his dashboard. So oh. bends down, oh, goes no. to pick up his Jesus. His eyes aren't on the road, drives straight off. He was two weeks in intensive care. Wow. I got out. I took a selfie. It's on my Instagram somewhere. I had a cut up face and cut up hands. The scars are still visible on my knuckles. And my left shoulder was just ripped out of place now wow. that i now that i do have some money when i was in dubai last month i went to see the physiotherapist who looks after roger federer mm. the, the best guy in the business you know like 600 dollars an hour to see him and he just told me he said how did how did you do this mm. you know i said well car crash he said well now essentially his words were the my muscle my frame my size is what's holding my shoulder in place because my shoulder isn't holding my shoulder in place so 
that's just the way it is. But it's okay. I'm a very able-bodied guy. Yeah. All sorts of push-ups. I train all the time. I just couldn't afford to fight professionally because if I missed a left hook with full intent and my arm came out, I'd be, mm. you know, I'd lose the fight instantly. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give anyone that glory of beating me because of some nonsense. So I, I just train. That. I keep myself fit. I can still fight, but the fight training is too much, bro. Yeah, that's fair enough, man. It doesn't sound like something that you'd want to do super long term, anyway, man. So it seems like one of those things: get in, get it done, and well, get out. Well, it's a blessing. Yeah. It's a blessing in this way that my brother, as well as most fighters who, who do end their careers voluntarily and retire on top, they're conflicted. Mm. Should I fight again? Should I not fight again? Andrew's now got everything he ever used to fight for, you know, but he still has this inner fire. He still wants to get in the ring. He still wants to do it. Mm. Me, I can't. So I don't have the conflicted personality. I'm happy to chill, do my push-ups every morning, go on a date, drive my car around bikini. <laughs> yeah. so I, I i don't have that that conflict so i think that is the blessing of, of the car crash and there, there's a silver lining to, to anything to everything absolutely man i mean so what are the biggest lessons that you learned from your fighting career and your experience there that you think you sort of take into the world with you now how did that shape the way you view things i wouldn't necessarily call it an ex call it experience or lessons mm. your fight career teaches how fragile people are um, how people who aren't particularly big might know something that you don't. It keeps you out of trouble. Mm. I've, used, I've used violence three times in my adult life. Three. Yeah. Coming from Luton, where everyone is having street fights all the time. And Luton people typically left me alone. But you know, I just don't mess with people, and I don't let people mess with me. Mm. But I just completely stay out of conflict. If someone in, not in Romania, because in Romania I've got my... In Romania, no one messes with me anyway. But if I'm in, on vacation somewhere in Spain and some guys are getting mouthy, I'll smile, I'll take a sip of my drink, I'll turn and leave the bar. I don't care. you know. And I think that's something that comes from fighting because I don't have anything to prove. Yeah. That guy doesn't have title belts hanging on his wall. I do. Mm. You know, I've got the battle scars. I've got the broken nose. Could I beat him up? Sure. And then what, three years in a Spanish jail for what? Yeah. It's for funny. a night that no one's ever going to remember. Yeah, it's mad. I said something on, on Twitter the other day, which was a couple weeks ago, I think. Some people implicitly understood it, but I think some people didn't. And I said something about how people who are total strangers to violence or who have, who have never been in a fight before are probably way more dangerous than people who are familiar with it. Yeah. And some much people are likely to fight you. Yeah. Like some people were totally like, yep, I get you completely. And other people are like, huh? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, look, if, if people don't understand the, like I've never, I've never had a, a fighting career or something, but you know, I went to, I went to boarding school for seven years, you know, all boys boarding school, like people scrap. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah. so it, it's like, and then of course, as you get older and you get stronger and you understand the potential consequences, both for you and also for other people, you, you know, you understand, okay, it's not worth, there are very few things that it's worth escalating up to that yeah. level for, cause yeah, I'm just not worth it one of the most classic examples, he became very famous on the internet. That tiny football fan, the Weldstone Raider, he's like, what, 14? The Do You Want Some guy who was oh, starting to fight this. with somebody on YouTube. I'm not, I'm not sure if you remember it. He lived class. He's, he's about 50 kilograms of a man. He <laughs> went viral all across the UK by offering, a fight, offering to fight somebody at a football ground. It was hilarious, of course, yeah. but he clearly has done no physical training in his whole life. He's not an imposing guy. He's not sizable. He doesn't quite understand what, what could happen to him, you know? Mm. Like if he gets into a into an altercation, I'm not going to harp on about it because you haven't seen the clip. But yeah, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people at home will know exactly who I'm talking about. Okay. But yeah, that's the guy who will fight you. 
Whereas yeah. I'm, I'm 110 kilograms, I'm six foot four. I'm not going to start a fight on anybody. Yeah. So, you know, I may be in, intimidating to, to the smaller guys around, but there's no chance that unprompted I'm ever going to start a physical confrontation. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so you, I, I completely get your tweet. I do get yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, you can also tell that by the way people behave on Twitter, you can tell tell who's been in a fight and who hasn't just off yeah. the tweets. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so just talking like the wildest stuff. You're just like, dude, you you know you wouldn't say this to this person if they were if they were in the room. If they were like, yeah. you, so, so just comment. The internet makes it makes everyone brave, and and you get this a lot. Yeah. I've read. Oh, I've read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get the same. Yeah. You just have to well, shrug it off. I mean, yeah, exactly. What can you do? Exactly. And no one's ever been rude. No one's ever come up to me and said, oh, I know you from Twitter. Um, I Let's think go. you're a, you know, it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, people recognize Andrew from Twitter mostly, but they're always friendly. Of yeah, course yeah. they are. You know, of course. Of four-time course. world champion. He's a six foot three dude. He's big. Yeah. You know, I was going to say anything bad to his face. And that's the yeah. nature of the world that we now live in. Yeah, it absolutely is. Man. There's nothing you can do about it. So what have you got? Um, what have you got planned for the future? I mean, I know you said that um, this year you're looking forward to putting yourself out there a little bit more. What made you decide to step out from behind the scenes a little bit? You know what? I'm, I'm going to reveal something. This is a world exclusive that I've been okay. working on since January 2020. I I make no apologies for the way I live my life. I'm a young guy. I'm single. You know, I'm I'm safe about it. But I do meet and date a lot of beautiful women. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm famous for it. If you Google my name in Google, there's a list of Romanian <laughs> TV presenters and models and celebrities who I'm, I'm in photographs with, with raunchy headlines, etc. So I, I'm well known for it here. The reason I'm coming out, I guess, into the public eye a bit more is because I'm tired of people on the internet who talk nonsense about things they don't know anything about. And the big one nowadays, you have these huge groups of people in these conventions and these accounts talking about, you know, how many women they meet, date, mm. sleep with in a, in a very, how can I explain, in a very demeaning, degrading kind of way. And one, I don't like it. And two, I know they're lying. You know, they're mm. fantasists. I can tell by the way that they type, having run a webcam studio for, you know, the last five years, one of the best in the business. I see guys type like this all day. They're liars and they're fantasists. And this is a world exclusive. I am keeping, I saw a few Twitter accounts with uh, screenshots from WhatsApp. Hi, come over to my house. Yes, I'll come. That's all they have. And they write this big story about how amazing this chick was that he met in a mall in Denver. So I'm like, I've been to Denver. There's in the malls. There there are no tents there. (laughs) So starting from January 1st this year, I've been keeping a, a very concise diary where I am blurring out their faces, et cetera, but using photographs, text messages, the Instagram inboxes. I've got my hand in every picture with something specific on it. And this is going to come out halfway through the year. Uh, The full volume is going to be obviously released at the end of the year. It's something I'm doing for the entirety of 2020. And when I release this, Zuby, I'm telling you, I'm going to shut these people up because my brother already sells his PhD program. Now the PhD program, the reason he sells it is because we ran a business where we had multiple beauty queens, multiple dozens, literally working for us and obeying us and listening to us. A few of them at the time, I guess, were girlfriends of ours. And, you know, we had multiple girlfriends, etc. And people would, uh, you know, people will call us a liar, but the proof is in the pudding. I mean, I have a fleet of cars, etc. I didn't make it through crime or I wouldn't put my face out there. This mm. is how I made my money. So me and Andrew consider ourselves the most qualified men on the planet. Well, I mean, not on the planet. 
not at all. Let me scrap that. <laughs> Most qualified men in that sphere of Twitter yeah. to talk about meeting girls and dating girls. So that's my big reveal for this year. Money, okay. I'm making enough. I'm, making, I'm, I'm opening some casinos here. I'm expanding my current businesses. Money, I'm making enough. But that's the big thing that I'm going to be putting out halfway through this year because it's going to be a diary and a journal, uh, all photographed, all, all evidence-based that nobody in this in this whole sphere is going to be able to touch besides maybe Andrew himself, who's not keeping a journal. So mm. yeah, I'm, I'm and, gonna, I'm gonna, I mean, is that, is the goal of that to inspire? Is it to help? Is it to, it is, it is to inspire and help. Um, okay. The only people who currently know about what I'm doing are in the, and I'm not going to extend this to anyone else. If they do join the war room, because now I've said it, I may have a spy, but the only people who, who do know what I'm doing are some members of the war room who, okay. who have bought the PhD program. And I'm, as I'm posting, it's actually a locked Twitter account. That's how I'm keeping the journal mm. and no one can access it right now. But as I'm posting, um, I'm explaining to these guys the behind the scenes, the theory of it. And it's not, it's not something, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's not something depraved. There's no depravity involved. You know, I enjoy the company of beautiful women. I enjoy going out with them. I enjoy having dinner with them, going to the opera with them. I enjoy these things. You know, mm. it's what I like to do now that I have the time in the world to do the things I like. Andrew loves driving those cars around really fast. I like driving them really slow so everybody <laughs> can see me. So <laughs> it's something I enjoy and I'm keeping a very concise diary. And the, the goal of it is to inspire and teach, I, I guess, the friends in the inner circle who I have close to me. Mm. But the other goal is to silence the people on Twitter who, who talk and talk and talk, post these little screenshots <laughs> of nothing, with these fantasist I don't, I, don't think I, I don't think I follow these people, so I'm not Bro, sure. I mean, just Google PUA is a good one. Google that. You'll find 400 dorks like that. Okay. Yeah, you're a pickup artist. You walked up to a girl in the mall who was a supermodel in Wyoming, did mm. you? I bet you did. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to silence everybody, so. I got you. <laughs> and, and silence my own critics as well. Silence okay. my own critics as well. I mean, because I'm, I mean, I'm photoed, uh, photographed often with beautiful women who work for me, who mm. will either be a girlfriend of mine or somebody who works for me, and they'll say, oh, you're paying her. Like, I mean, I morally, I don't judge anyone else, but morally I have a problem as a webcam studio owner of paying for female company. That's yeah. just against my wiring. I'm the guy, you know, I am the one who knocks essentially. I take, the <laughs> I don't spend the money for female company. So yeah, to inspire, to silence, to intimidate, to upset <laughs> the same reason I do anything. <laughs> so that's my yeah. big goal of 2020. And gotcha. uh, yeah, it's going to be incredible. Uh, I mean, so far we're what one week in. I'm not going to tell you in details. One week in 2020, but already the content is better than these accounts share in a year. So okay, yeah, you'll see. Okay, okay, we will see. Just space. <laughs> awesome, man. And on that note, where can if listeners want to find out a little bit more about you or follow you on social media, where can they find you, Tristan? Yeah, on uh, on Twitter, just type in the Talisman Lives. My my. At is lives talisman. Uh, you can find all my opinions there, my photos, uh, and everything I'm doing. My lifestyle is very much on uh, Instagram, uh, which is talisman Tate, mm -hmm. and that's where you can see kind of how I live, collections of my cars. I don't know what you're into. I sometimes post photos of women I'm with and stuff, but not to the extent I will be doing on Twitter. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, Tate Confidential. Just type that in. And the War Room is an organization that my brother runs. It's not my organization, but I'm very much involved in it. I like what the War Room is always trying to do, which is to say that I am not the archetype of what men should be. I'm the archetype of what I want to be. Mm. I believe that men should be you know, happy, respected, healthy, fit, financially independent. These are things that I wanted to be. 
So anyone joining the war room, you know, we try to elevate them to that level. And Andrew very famously just a few days ago kicked half the members out because they weren't pulling their weight. Mm. And there were a lot of groups who I say, I don't want to insult them. I'll insult them. There are a lot of groups who need the money. (laughs) Oh, join my little club. The membership fee is this. The membership fee is that. You know, Andrew just axed half of our subscribers and he he doesn't care because Mm. it's not a financial thing. It's to build a team around me and Andrew um, of guys we can trust and like-minded people. And some more room members actually now live here in Bucharest do business with me, work with me. They're investing in casinos and all sorts of stuff. So if you want to join the war room, you'd have unprecedented access, obviously, to myself and my brother. And that can be found at cobratate.com, which is my brother's website. He'd probably punch me if I didn't mention that. So (laughs) (laughs) So there we go. You can find me there and get unprecedented access to me any minute of any day. That's all good, man. Tristan, thank you for coming on the show, man, especially at such late notice, bro. It's been... And and you know what? I'm not going to... I always make my excuses after the fact. I've been fasting for the last two days. So I'm lightheaded. I was just sitting there relaxing, watching TV. Five minutes notice, I came and set this all up and, and, and here I am. So, awesome. um, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to articulate myself better some other time. You know, we'll stay in touch. Six months down the line, maybe I'll do the big reveal when I finally release this Twitter account to the world on your show. I cool, appreciate man. it, Thank bro. You. Thank you so Thanks much, man. Me, I am the man, sick with the slang, sick in For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.